This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air. listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. I'd like to welcome you to Pleased to Meet You. I'm Ken Morrison, and in this program, I introduce you, the listener, to the voices behind the microphones here at Radio Kidnappers. And today, it's my pleasure to be talking to Jewel Miller, one of the hosts of a program called A Study in Literacy. Hi. How are you going, Jill? I'm good, thanks. Good to have you here with us. Now, before we get on to finding out a bit about you, you've got to give us a 30-second promo of uh, A Study in Literacy. What's it all about? Our study in literacy is a 55-minute show that we do weekly, me and my co-host Luke, and we talk about all things to do with literacy. Normally books, but often movies, role-playing games, all that sort of stuff comes in, and we try and interview local literacy people like poets and authors and whatnot. And you do marvellously. When is the programme on? It is on Saturday evenings at 5pm. And it's available as a podcast from our website, www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Anyway, we're going to wind the clock back, right back. Right back. Right back to when you were just a literally. Okay. Tell us about where you grew up. I grew up in Inglewood in Taranaki. It's a little farming town. It's getting bigger now because no one can afford to live in New Plymouth, so they're all moving to Inglewood. Um, nice little town to grow up in, I'd say. What was family life like for you? Did, do you have fond memories of growing up in Inglewood? I do. So I have a brother who I get on quite well with and my parents who I also get on quite well with. I mean, obviously we got into trouble and there were a few times where we were sent to our rooms. Um, we went on strike once because we didn't approve. <laughs> However, mum and dad just locked us out of the house until it rained and we just had to deal. Oh, my sort of parents. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Like We knew when we crossed boundaries, but the punishment was usually creative-ish and fit what we did mm-hmm. wrong. <laughs> And did you do things uh, as a family that are memorable now that you look back on your life, which is not that long a life, I must suggest, <laughs> but uh, do you look back with, with rose tinted glasses and say, oh, wow, they were great times. And as a family, we went here and we went there. Is that uh, how you look back on your life? Or? I wouldn't say rose tinted glasses, mm-hmm. just normal glasses. Yeah. I look back, it was good. It had its moments. Some of it was crap, but that's yeah. what it is. Right. What about school? What was school like for you? Uh, School I've chosen to forget an awful lot of because it wasn't so great. Uh, When you're that that girl that wants to wear boy clothing and hang out in the library and play Magic the Gathering with her her brother's friends, you get picked on a little bit, so... So you'll possibly like me, the the best day of my schooling life was the day that I actually left school for the last time. I quite enjoyed... Actually, I enjoyed leaving uni, I think it was... Because like, I left school and then I went to uni. Mm. And uni's a lot like school, except for you have your own little groups where you kind of fit in, but you've still got to study and all of that. So it was leaving that and then getting an actual job where you could earn money and kind of do what you wanted. Okay, let's stay in school for just a, uh, a moment. I mean, obviously, it doesn't sound like the best of schooling years for you, but was there one teacher there that you thought, wow, I'm so glad I had that teacher? Did they yep. make an impression on you? Oh, I think our deputy principal, who was also the classics teacher, um, Mr. Galston, he was really good. Um, he, in seventh form, I took classics, and he was the sort of teacher that wasn't micromanaging. He'd give you mm. the text, and he's like, yeah, you've got to here to read it and hand in the assignment, and it was up to you to figure out how to do it. He let us go out and read under the trees or on the cricket pitch, and then we just got yelled at when we didn't hand in the assignment on time. <laughs> okay, so winding the car, let's fast forward a bit. School is over. Yay. You've been to university. Uh, you've decided that you've had enough. Uh, the world is your oyster. What happens now? 
what happened then? Um, moved back home because I couldn't afford to flat anywhere. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so I kind of, I'd been to radio school, been to uni mm-hmm. before that. And then I ended up getting a job at Tauranga City Library. So I moved up to Tauranga. Uh, did two jobs there because the library wasn't a full-time gig. So I worked at the supermarket after hours. Then I got bored at work one day. Um, I was a girl guide leader, so I applied to go to India to do volunteer work through girl guiding. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know it at the time, but they only take four people per year for the course that I did, and I just happened to be one of them. So wow. I went off to India. Tell us about India. India was good. It was a very big eye-opener, I would say, from someone that came from a small town in Taranaki to going to India where there's cars everywhere, people everywhere, and it's just it's a crazy life but they put family ahead of so much stuff and community and all of that is more important than money and how big your house is or what clothes you wear and I think I went there at a good age Mm. to learn that I guess. So you moved in with an Indian family? Uh, I moved into the international girl guiding home there Mm. so there was a mix of Indians I roomed with someone from Malaysia no I didn't I roomed with someone from Canada down the hall from someone from Malaysia and we all just kind of hung out and showed people around the city and whatnot. What impressed you the most about India? I liked how everyone was all about the family kind mm. of stuff like yeah lived with your family and they had heaps of people all in one house they had a huge community celebrations their religious celebrations were like all community mm. based and I loved just seeing everyone get together and because we were in the community we got invited to hang and that was really fun. So you finish up in India and then you come back to New Zealand? Yeah, came back to Taranaki again. So what did you bring back from India? As You said, wow, this is, my experience was awesome and I brought back this. What, what was the one thing you brought back that you think, so glad I went? Was it Some that of feeling of family? Or? Yeah, I think just the way I prioritise stuff like, I mean, I've never really been the person that will chase a job because it pays a lot of money, mm. but... After India, I was much more aware that it's what you do outside of work yes. that makes the difference. And you should be happy at work because otherwise when you're outside of work, you're not happy. Mm. And Yeah. Okay, so you come back home. What then? And then I got a job at New Plymouth District Council. Started my path down records and archives, which I now have a qualification in because I apparently like studying when it's on my own terms. Um, and then I ended up in Scotland for various reasons. Yes, all right. Tell us all about Scotland. Why did you go to Scotland? Scotland, I went to because I've always wanted to go over to Scotland and I realised that I was running out of time to get a youth visa and all my excuses of why I can't go just yet were just that excuses. So I applied for the youth visa, got the youth visa and then packed up my bags and flew out of the country on Mother's Day. (laughs) But you did a very brave thing. You went on your own. Why was that? Yes. Because that's just what you do. I went to India on my own, which I everyone told me at the time that I was, it was really brave. But to me, it's not. Like, if you wait for someone to come with you or whatever, you may never get there. But also, you are a very gregarious person. And I, yeah. I imagine that it didn't take you long to make friends. But were you no. nervous going on your own at all? Or did you think, hey, uh, this is just part of the gig? Not really, because I had one of my friends that I met in India lives in England. So she picked me up to start with. Mm. Um, chilled with her and her family for the first couple of weeks and then I went on up to Edinburgh to catch up with someone I'd met backpacking around New Zealand who 
is English but lived in Scotland, and we, me and her, are now really good friends. She happens to be in mm. Auckland at the moment. Um, yeah, it didn't take long to make friends. I still keep in touch with a couple of them. One of them currently has COVID, but um, fingers crossed he's going to be okay. Touch wood as we speak. Yep. Now, you're well-travelled, but you came home. Why did you come home to New Zealand? Why didn't you think, wow, the world is my oyster, I'm... I'm leaving family. little old New Zealand. Family? Family. It's a draw that brings me back every time. All right, but you're not living in Inglewood anymore. You're living here in Hawke's Bay. What okay. is it about Hawke's Bay? I don't know. I was once again bored looking for a job. This is how I tend to find jobs. I get bored. I look for a job, and I have a rule when I look for a job. I kind of throw it out to what I call the universe. Mm-hmm. And I say that whatever the first job I get offered is the first job I'll accept. Mm. No second guessing or anything like that. And there was a job at Napier City Council that kept popping up and I kept looking at it going, I don't want to do that. And on the seventh time it popped up on my search, I was like, okay, I'll apply. And then I happened to get the job. And then like two days later, got offered two others. But I was like, no, no, I've got to take the first one. So I did. And I never understood why I might want to come to Hawke's Bay. I'm not a big sun person. Well, I didn't used to be. Yes. It's totally changed. I love the sun now. And as soon as I got here, I was like, nah, this is, this is where I want to be. Almost like coming home. Yeah, it does feel like coming home. Even when I first got here and I was staying with mum's friends, it was still like I'm going home now. A little bird told me once, so that your dream job was or could still be to be a librarian. Yep. Is it still your dream job? Still my dream job. What Got is it the about qualification libraries? in that too. Yeah. Why, what, what is it about libraries and books that gets you? <sighs> I don't know. There's just books. I don't know what it is. You just can't not love books. And I've decided I would like to be a tertiary education level librarian because there's something about academic books that I just love. Mm. So. And you are an avid reader. I am an avid reader. What sort of reading do you prefer? Do you prefer those... Uh, Novels, fantasy novels, or do you prefer real-life stories? My general go-to for um, when I don't have to think hard about is fantasy Mm. or sci-fi. I do love the real stories, especially true crime. Um, I tend to have one of them on the go every couple of fantasy, sci-fi kind of books. And I do love non-fiction, just general non-fiction, but when I need to concentrate a bit more kind of thing, like you're willing to put all your effort into reading it and paying attention and whatnot. It's uh, random questions that I just plucked out of my head and they're not in any particular order, but let's go back to the travelling. So someone uh, that you said to you, hey, Jill, recommend a place for me to visit in New Zealand. What's the one tourist spot that you might recommend to someone? Say, you've got to see this. If, no, if you don't see anything else, you've got to see that. What would it be? I would say you have to go to Omaka Aviation Museum in Blenheim. It's amazing, especially if you love biplanes. It's incredible. Now, when you reflect on your life to date, like I say, it's a uh, you know, quarter of the way through your life. <laughs> Half the way through <laughs> my life, more like. What's the best bit of advice someone's ever given you? Mm, I don't know if it's specific advice I've been given, but I've been told by a lot of people that they like that I often seem to be quite happy. Mm. And I remember when I was younger, Dad used to always say, like, don't try not to find a reason to not smile. Like, you can always find a reason to smile. Now, I'm going to give an opportunity to go back in time. And Jill, you now, gets to go back and visit you, Jill, as an 18-year-old. What bit of advice might you give that Jill? I would probably tell that Jill that all the adults she thinks has got it together 
they don't. It's okay to not know what you want to do, to not know where you want to be. It's okay to wing it a little bit. But would that 18-year-old Jewel listen to that advice? Yeah, because 18-year-old Jewel took that advice without being told it. (laughs) If you could change one thing about yourself, Jewel, what would it be? I would make my hair not be red. It would be a brown or a purplish colour. And if you had a chance of a do-over in life, you know, people say if you could turn left instead of turning right, what, what would you do differently? Nothing. Even the things I've done that at the time I've thought, why on earth am I doing that? They've led me somewhere that's been amazing. So I'd need to take all those paths. Now, I know that you're a very clever person, but what's the skill that you might like to learn and why? I would like to be able to play a musical instrument because I've tried and I've tried. I have no rhythm. I can't do it. And I, would, it's, I think it's something you're born with. I mean, I've got other creative abilities. Music's not one. Well, you're a, a marvellous knitter. Crocheter. And that as well. Yep. And you make little puppets. and Yeah, and I sew yeah. and all of that. Yeah, so, and you want more. So you still, still you want more. <laughs> well, you asked if there was a skill I had right. that I didn't, you know. <laughs> now, when you get home at night, put your feet up and you pour that glass of orange juice. What makes you think, wow, what a great day that was? Just everything. Realising how lucky I am. I've got my own place. I don't need to have a flatmate in there to make ends meet. I've got a great support network. Even though I live alone, I've got so many friends and family that if I needed them, I could call and they'd be on the end of the phone with me. It's, yeah. No, I don't think that you're a person who is uh, a material person. If I said you could only keep three things, what might they be? I'd keep my loved ones, including my teddy bear. Mm-hmm. I'd keep music and I'd keep my books. And when you look around you, and you know lots of people, I know that, uh, but if, when you look at the wider picture of the world, even perhaps, who do you admire and why, why do you admire them? I admire, I just, I don't know, generally family members like my grandma and my mum and stuff, like they do what they love in their spare time and they just keep, keep doing crafty stuff even if they don't really have anyone mm. it was destined for like grandma used to knit so much and even if she didn't have a kid to give it to she'd donate it to middlemore hospital or someone like that How and i nice. like that just like you jill i don't donate well i do i donate to all my friends that have kids <laughs> now, i know that you're a, a spiritual person of sorts life on other planets undecided not life like us but i'm not sure what it would be and you've had a varied life, you've, been, you've toured the world. What's the weirdest thing that's ever, ever happened to you? Or what's the weirdest thing you've done? The weirdest thing that ever happened to me that made me laugh, wow, it made me go, oh my gosh, and then it made me laugh, was in India. I was sitting at a very busy intersection in a rickshaw, and a trunk came in the side of the rickshaw and stole my ice cream. And I looked out, and there's an elephant standing next to me, munching on my ice cream. I was not happy, but then at the start, and then I was just like, actually, that's quite comical. When would that ever happen again? I know. It's a shame you didn't film it. Imagine. It would have probably had millions of views on YouTube. <laughs> I don't, didn't have a smartphone back no. then. What did you do to relax, Jill? To relax, I usually put on a good CD and throw myself a little dance party. What sort of music do you like? At the moment, I'm on a very, probably 70s. 80s music kick and some old country because you're a big fan of country i am a big fan of country and you read a lot which is a a bit of a segue into your program uh, a study in literacy um where did you get that reading from do you come from a family that likes reading or did you just pick it up to escape Is, is reading a form of escapism to you yeah definitely what are you escaping from 
I don't, I don't know if it's escaping from stuff. It's more like a traveling into other worlds and other lives and other ideas. Mm. Um, I like to see how other people see the world and how they view things so that I can hopefully view things with a broader range of viewing. Um, Mum reads a lot. Dad likes to, but he's quite a slow reader, so it takes him a lot longer. I can relate um, to that. Yeah, my brother reads. He's got a very narrow reading range, but when he finds books he likes, he reads as well. And you're also involved in local theatre. I am. What is it about theatre that um, you appreciate? I love the stories that are told and every person on stage has different reasons for being on stage and I like that every performance is different. When you do backstage, every night you see the production, it's different to the night before. I also am involved in theatre and I find that uh, when I go into the theatre, usually pre-production, it's like going into a different world. Mm. And people who are not involved with theatre don't necessarily understand it. Is, it. is that how you find it as well? Yeah, I think if you haven't been involved, you don't understand the appeal of being involved. And you probably just sit and go, but it takes up so much of your time. Yes. It's surprising, I think, how much time it can take up if you let it. Good segue into my next question that I know you are you are involved uh, and you're involved in, for instance, sometimes the whole season of a program. What happens when the curtain comes down for the last time? What happens the next day? What do you say? What do you do? Uh, last time I was involved with the show for like uh, the fair chunk of it, it wasn't the next day. It was when the next production should have been or rehearsal. And I was like, I was at home. I was like, what am I meant to do? Like, what? What am I meant to do with all this time? But then you fill it, and then the next production comes along, and you're like, how did I fit this in? Now, I know you like eating. What's your favourite food? Oh, it's a hard one. Um, I like pizza at the moment. Have you ever eaten anything really weird? Like a hoo-hoo grub or um, possum? No, I did eat... I had a, when I was in France, my friend's mum made me a special dish, and she roasted... Especially just for me, a rabbit that still had its Yum. ears and its head and its feet and everything on it. Um, maybe not quite that far. It was a little bit much. I ate it. It was delicious. If you won lotto tomorrow, what would you do with the money? Look after it. I would. Me, my brother and I go on road trips, so I'd shout him a road trip probably over Christmas. What about if you became prime minister tomorrow? What's the first thing that you would do? What would you change, if anything? If I became prime minister tomorrow, I would institute reading days which would be in addition to sick days but you could just ring up your boss and go look i'm in the middle of a good book can't come to work today soz and you'd uh, be fine two people over for dinner living or dead who might they be and why would you invite them i would invite my mum who is living Mm -hmm. and i'd invite my grandma her mum because i miss her she's not living come to the last question and it's a bit of a morbid question actually but i'm sure that you will have a good answer (laughs) When you finally leave this world for the last time, yep. how do you think um, they're going to remember Jill? What are they going to say about Jill Miller? They're gonna, how, will you, how would you like to be remembered, perhaps? I, I don't know how. I'd like to be remembered as being like a happy person that's always there for her friends and whatnot. I have a feeling I'll probably be remembered for being a little bit quirky or a little bit out there, Indeed. which is fine. I can't help it. And if you could write your own epitaph, what would it be? Don't know. I've planned my whole funeral though. Oh, okay, what are they going to put on your tombstone? I haven't decided. I think I'm being cremated because the coffin I want, which is for my favourite sports team, is a cardboard coffin, so it has to be burnt. 
That's it. Thank you very much, Jill. It's our pleasure to meet you on this. Please to meet you. You look after yourself and we look forward to talking to you sometime again in the very near future. Thanks. This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air.